guys, welcome to Fitter Food Radio. This is Emma Myhill standing in whilst Kerry sips on her green tea. And was too lazy to introduce, so ask me to. <laughs> Not that I'm too lazy, you're just better at it. Everyone loves your voice. That's and I don't nice. like doing it. <laughs> welcome. You do have a voice for radio, actually. No, oh, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, um, hello, welcome. Um, we thought we'd get Emma Myhill back on the show. It's funny, Matt is actually off. Uh, babysitting Frankie who is Emma's little addition to the family little bubba uh, and it's he's funny being his manny his manny for the day yeah yes. he's actually gone round the block he he'd rather do that than actually work this is, this is like Matt loving it yeah. Frankie loves it as well Matt they both it. love it so they've gone off for a little bit of time together one on one yeah and we thought <laughs> well I thought it'd be really nice to get Emma back on the show and just ask her about how it's going being a mum mm. obviously we're going to ask about all the, the amazing food that Frankie's eating uh, but also we haven't actually asked you about your um, final bit of your pregnancy <laughs> the bit I don't want to hear about <laughs> <laughs> but I have heard about thank you yes the labour has heard about it and has decided she never wants children never. <laughs> honestly my ovaries have shut down <laughs> <laughs> yes, without wanting to scare every potential mother to be out there, um, it was probably the most horrific experience I've ever had in my life. Nice, nice. Yes. You're the yes. only person actually that's ever told me in graphic detail um, <laughs> about the labour. Like friends have gone, I think because they say they kind of forget. I don't Which forget. it must be. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought this was kind of like the body's way of saying yeah, you can have more children if I Lots make you forget. Lots say that. Perhaps yeah. it's because I take so much DHA I can't forget. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Super memory. <laughs> yeah, it's not an experience I would forget. Alive. So did it go to plan? You had the birth no. pool, you had no, no birth, no? <laughs> Nothing went to plan oh. at all. Um, I will say I ended up having a vaginal birth, which was my number one priority. Almost ended up C-section. Thank goodness it didn't. Um, and Frankie was fine and healthy and fit on being born. That was the most important thing. Yeah. And I could breastfeed, which was uh, is another whole podcast in itself. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a yeah, turmoil with that as well. But um, yes, yeah, so the labour, if you remember, for those of you who listened, I'd planned a home delivery, home birth. I had gone out and bought a birth pool, two in fact, because one was a, a regular size which took, overtook the size of my lounge, so I couldn't actually blow it up. And the second was a mini one, which was the right size for our lounge. Why did you need two? It was like one, the one regular, for Dan. <laughs> well, the regular, I thought Dan could have a splash yeah, outside yeah. in. <laughs> uh, purely because the first one didn't fit, that was all. So mm. we'd, we sold that one and then bought another one. But, um, so this birth pool requires a lot of warm water. It has to be kind of body temperature, obviously, because you're about to deliver a baby in inside it hopefully which obviously never happened with me and um uh, so you have to fill it up and then maintain the temperature so well my my labor started in in a normal way which was well actually I was 15 days late which again is quite an epic subject because nowadays you get to approaching 40 weeks gestation period and suddenly the NHS bombard you with on the day that you turn 40 weeks you um uh, they start talking about in- inducing you because you went into hiding didn't you I remember you saying I went you into were... hiding yeah, yeah, yeah. so I missed all my appointments um and unfortunately um because I was um registered as a home birth you don't have to go anywhere the midwives have to come to you yeah and just by pure luck they kind of forgot about me so it meant that 
suddenly at about when I think I was about eight days overdue, they remembered that I still hadn't given birth. So then they were phoning me saying, oh, um, you need to come and see the obstetrician, and, and uh, which I, I reluctantly went. Why, um, why were you not worried, though? Cause, is it cause I wasn't worried because technically um, a full gestation period is 42 weeks. Beyond between 40 weeks and 42 weeks, um, the baby's digestive system is developing, um, as in it's fully developing, so it can poo, basically. Um, and it, there can be, and it's a very, very, very low risk, but there can be more complications with the actual birth and potentially the labour. Um, but I was very happy to go to 42 weeks and then consider something. But if, if anything, it would have been a sweep. So the way that inducing you works is that, um, first of all, you, you, and this would be at the point of 40 weeks, um, they would sweep you, which if it sounds horrific, but they, um, the midwife will insert her fingers into your vagina and try and sweep the cervix mm-hmm. and then come out again. And that's really just to stimulate, almost touching the head to feel how dilated you are, if you're dilated at all, because yeah. you can be dilated without actually being in labour. Um, and also a lot of women, especially first-time mums, can be having contractions and not realise it. Yeah. You'd be incredibly lucky if that is your case. No, I heard. No, exactly, exactly. So, um, so a sweep is where they, they, they sweep you. Um, and then the next stage is the next day you might go back for another one. And then the next stage after that is that they'd probably uh, bring you into hospital and they would give you uh, symptosin, which is a, a hormone, to really kickstart the labour. Now, the problem with that is the, the, stati- the real statistics actually show that once you start a false labour, because it is a false labour, it's not a labour that's happened naturally, as yeah. in, i.e. your baby is saying, I'm ready to come out now. Yeah. Um, so the contraction, you may experience very mild contractions on and off naturally, but what happens is, is that the hormone that they give you triggers labour. So rather than a natural uh, labour process where you have a contraction and then you have a break, and then you have a contraction and then you have a break at the beginning, what can happen, and, and obviously this is very different in every single individual, but what can happen, is excuse me is you have a contraction and it doesn't stop and it can't slow down so you end up being constantly in pain you don't manage to get your breath that can then lead to um uh, obviously uh, pain prevention so you might have um ends up with an epidural which then numbs you so then you can't feel when to push yeah um the epidural can then obviously lead to the panic of you being technically in labor for however long since you've been since being induced um and the panic of the baby being inside you for too long potentially it's stuck and then they just give you a c-section so there's a higher percentage of c-section deliveries from an induced labor Labor. so you want to i wanted personally to try and avoid that the what you're up against when you turn 40 weeks pregnant is their statistics that say you're an at-risk pregnancy in fact the annoying thing about the whole midwifery care and being in uh, the whole time is that you're constantly the the visits that you do have you're constantly measured your at-risk level so it's almost like the pregnancy there's always a level of risk yeah so you've always got something in the back of your mind that could go wrong so they don't really um uh give you knowledge that makes you a happier more optimistic (laughs) yeah they're just pregnant mother do this or else 
basically. You're, you're constantly measured at each yeah. visit how at risk you are. Um, I suppose they're trying to protect themselves yeah, against anyone absolutely. kind of coming back and absolutely. saying, you didn't give me yeah. any options, you didn't yeah. warn me, you didn't, you know. They have to do it. It, yeah. is, it is literally paperwork. And when I had my uh, uh, midwifery visit, um, I think I was just approaching 42 weeks. And um, the lady said, oh, because um, because obviously you're going on dates that are also, I mean, they judge it from your first scan at 12 weeks, how many weeks pregnant you are. Mm-hmm. So that's not set in stone. That's what I was going to say. Do you not yeah, think it can not, be kind yeah, of, yeah. and if you were um, trying, people tend to be having, yeah, you know, it's yeah. for weeks, so it's really exactly. hard to pinpoint. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and for me, I felt that actually I I could spare a couple of weeks at the end anyway because I thought I wasn't that far gone. Yeah, I remember you saying. Um, I think Frankie's original um, delivery date was actually the 8th of January and I gave birth to him on the 23rd of January. Oh, wow. So, so a big difference. It's a massive difference. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wasn't worried because I could feel him moving. But when I went to that uh, midwife visit um, approaching 42 weeks, she because I was with the home birth midwives, they're actually a little more pro you doing it at home yeah and they're a little bit more into um eating your placenta after the baby's born and they're a bit more into uh, water births and burning essential oils and they all they're all about making it a good experience for the woman but at the same time they have to tick their boxes so she was saying to me um okay i understand and i trust your own knowledge of your body in terms of you thinking that you have an extra spare week's few spare weeks at the end, a couple of spare weeks at the end. But um, I do need to refer you to the obstetrician um, because it, you're you're refusing um, a sweep and you're refusing being induced. She said, actually, refusing, I can't say. She said, but you, you're choosing not to have it. And I said, yeah. And so she said, fine. So I had an appointment on a Wednesday to go and see the obstetrician, which I was more than happy to go and do. On the Tuesday night at one o'clock in the morning, my contractions started. So I naturally progressed into labour. Um, so at one o'clock in the morning, well, well it was Tuesday night, one o'clock in the morning, so Wednesday, one o'clock in the morning, my contractions started and I was in bed. And you kind of sit there and you think, is that, is that, what's, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> because it's not a pain. It's not a pain. It's, um, it's just a sensation. And you think, ah! But it's very different to what you've experienced before. So, so you know it's something new. So you know it's something new. And um, I waited for about 20 minutes until another one came. And then I kind of kicked Dan and said, Dan, it's happening. He immediately went downstairs and started filling up the birth ball. <laughs> Bless him. Which is the totally wrong thing to do. He was obviously thinking I was going to sprout this thing out in an hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I went downstairs. And so at this point, I'm up. Because obviously you're up, you're excited, yeah. you're about you're going into labour, and this is a first time experience for me. Um, and I was bouncing on my ball, as you know, I had all the intentions, had my birth plan written in my head anyway, but it was written somewhere on a bit of paper. But as far as I was concerned, I wasn't leaving home, and I was having this baby either in the birth pool or at home. So they tell you to pack your hospital bag just in case. I didn't have a hospital bag <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't. I was so stubborn. <laughs> I was not having a hospital birth. <laughs> so it, yeah, I'm having contractions every 20 minutes, sometimes every eight minutes, sometimes every five, sometimes every minute. Dan calls the midwife, tells them, she says, okay, you have to ring us when they're every three minutes um, consistently. So we're waiting around. It doesn't around. sound like you have that much 
time like what if she no. got stuck in traffic I didn't know it was like, <laughs> yeah, no, like she's yeah. leaving it till the last minute yeah but, but labour is so hit and miss right. with, with especially because it's my first they they on average the first labour takes forever anyway so they know they're um, kind of blanket yeah, on that yeah yeah I mean a lot of women get caught out by that because sometimes women lucky them never met them but lucky them <laughs> they literally have contractions dilate and the baby's born and the yeah. midwife hasn't even got there yet imagine what Dan would have done <laughs> <laughs> that for me would have been the perfect birth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, just Absolutely, three just the yeah. three of us. The baby still would have been attached. You he know. would have loved it. I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. But um, it's not as magical as that. So, <laughs> so, so then, uh, so my contraction started, and we were up all night. Um, my mum was also my birthing partner, but at this point, I thought it's not worth phoning really? her in the middle of the night. She, she needs her sleep as well. So it gets to eight o'clock in the morning now, and I've been having contractions since one o'clock in the morning, and suddenly I'm knackered. <laughs> they've um, slowed right down I've been drinking loads of water because I just wanted to stay hydrated throughout the whole thing because my fear was not being hydrated because that can cause problems with labour and um, so I've been drinking tons of water um, and then um, I, my mum came over and then I sent Dan upstairs to have a nap and I kind of lay on the sofa because they, they, they calmed down a bit and they were every 20 minutes and so I managed to kind of get a little bit of rest but not really because there was a lot going on inside mm. um, and then it, this is where so on Wednesday so this is the time where I have my obstetrician appointment and the midwife comes over to inspect me at home and she, she actually at that point because I was in labour she said look I'm going to um, inspect you internally do you mind I said no that's fine because I knew I was in labour I didn't mind her doing that and then she said look whilst I'm here if I give you a quick sweep she said I know you don't want this she said, but if I give you a quick sweep she said um it's more likely to stimulate things because you're in labor and I said okay fine and actually didn't feel anything and that's a lot of women say that when they have a sweep um it really hurts and it's painful and that's I think that's because they're not ready yet right whereas mm-hmm. I was in labor yeah so, so it was okay and it was more yeah 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 so she gave me the sweep I didn't feel anything and my contractions are now every one to two hours so they're hardly they've completely slowed down I barely mind I haven't slept yet but she said to me go to your obstetrician appointment I have to tell you to because um ticking a box so I went along to the hospital sat in this waiting room now my idea obviously is like if I'm in labour so I want to keep moving yeah so I'm Mm -hmm. sat in this waiting room for an hour of which after about 45 minutes I said to them can you call me because I'm going for a walk around the car park because I'm actually in labour and she said oh my god do we need to to send you some I said no but I'm sitting here and I'm in pain and I need to move (laughs) yeah yeah and so the um obstetrician then comes out and she calls me after about an hour and a half and I've been doing squats around the car park (laughs) (laughs) and she says right so you're um uh 42 weeks pregnant so we need to start inducing you and I said I'm in labor I don't need to be induced and then she said oh what were you having contractions I said yes I'm having contractions I've had a sweep I've had an internal about an hour ago I don't need anything I'm just here because I need to tick a box Um, and then she said and she was very um harsh very um abrupt um she said okay well lie down there because I need to examine you Almost like she didn't trust what the midwife had already done. done. 
And so I went along with it because I thought, fine, you can have a look. It's not going to harm her. Um, and so whilst she was actually looking, I had another contraction. And then she said, OK. She said, well, I still think we should perhaps bring you into hospital and get you. I said, no, I'm not doing that. I said, there's no point. I'm in labour naturally. I'm going to go home and I'm going to see if I can continue to, live, to deliver this at home. And so she said, oh, I'm going to need to speak to my um, uh, my boss about this. And she was very um, put out by it, didn't like the fact that I was going against her decision. Yeah. And... Um, and then at the end, uh, she wrote on this report, has refused this, is aware of all the risks that can now happen. So, and they were a list of, you know, death of child, you know, and it's, and you just, and when you, when you analyse the, the percentages and, and any, any statistics should always be questioned anyway, but when yeah. you actually really look into it, it's, it's not accurate at all. And they, they're just scared mongers really because they want to make sure that obviously they're covering their backs and they've done certain things um and so then I go home and it's now Wednesday night and um I can't remember how often the contractions were but um it was all overnight again and the midwife said you'll definitely have the the baby tonight because you're two centimeters dilated so we're gonna have it and she disappears again all night, nothing apart from the contractions. And you're still, you're up all night. Up you're all not, night. Not still slept. up all night. Still not slept. I've eaten. You don't feel like eating. So I've eaten <laughs> really? maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I've eaten maybe scrambled eggs or something like that. Uh, Dan's tried to feed me frozen grapes, but I'm just not interested. I just want to get this on going. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Thursday morning comes around and the midwife comes back and I'm still two centimetres dilated. So I've gone through what I feel is like a marathon contraction yeah. episode and I'm still only two centimetres dilated. So the labour's essentially halted at this point. Yeah. But you're well, still yeah. getting But I'm still contracting. Yeah. So she sends me... Um, into hospital because she says I can't support home birth anymore because it's you're now at risk. So Dan has filled this birth pool up twice. <laughs> Bless him. Emptied it. Emptied it. No, he hasn't emptied it. He's only emptied it once. So it's left standing. We're now the midwife um is phoning the hospital and I'm Dan says, Where's your hospital bag? Um, I didn't pack one. <laughs> so at this point, my best friend had her baby a week before me. So I said, phone Philippa and ask her what she needed. <laughs> and so he um, he's phoning my best friend and he, she's saying, oh, pack this, pack this, pack this. He's running around upstairs going, Emma, I can't believe you didn't pack your hospital bag. <laughs> and I'm just sitting downstairs completely shattered, as in shattered physically and emotionally because now... I'm exhausted from the experience already. And to me, it wasn't painful. It's just sheer exhaustion. I haven't slept for two nights. Mm. I haven't really eaten. I've drank a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm just in despair because I'm just so shattered. It's, it's like running a marathon in yeah. birth um, or a labour process. So I'm going into hospital and the last thing the midwife says to me is, I said to her, Look, how can I, I need to sleep for in order for me to go through with this. How can I do that? She says, when you get to hospital, ask them for an epidural. She says, I know it's not what you don't want. I know that's not what you want, but just ask them. And so <laughs> I'm feeling completely defeated. Aww. I'm in the car with my mum and dad. And I get to hospital. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm so weak. And I get in hus- into hospital, into a room, and the midwife says, so, how are you doing? I said, I need an epidural. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, um, you've just come from a home birth delivery. <laughs> steps in between epidural and home birth um, and I said yes but I, I'm she said how about press some paracetamol I said I'm not in pain it's not the pain it's I'm exhausted I'm, I'm exhausted still 
13 months later. And then, and, and she says, okay, she says, well, how about some pethidine? She said, cause then the pethidine will make, she's, will make you feel, you know, you'll probably sleep on that. She said, but it will make you drowsy. And I said, I don't care. I just want something that's going to allow me to sleep. So I have pethidine, um, which makes me vomit. Oh, no. So um, I'm now vomiting. She gets me to do a urine sample of which comes out. I'm in a ketogenic state. Wow. Um, and I'm severely dehydrated. So this oh, is despite all the water that I've drunk. So ketogenic because you're probably starving? Starving. Yeah. I'm be, I've been fasted. I've been yeah. in a fasted state. Yeah. And my body hasn't been able to absorb any water because there's You weren't, no... weren't dabbing in any dietary amendments. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. <laughs> Test ketosis. <laughs> See if it induced the labour. <laughs> no, really not. <laughs> and so um, I'm then put on a, a drip um, because for for a lack of, of hydration. Um, and I'm then in a lying down position, which you don't really want to be, but that's what you are. I couldn't sleep. The pethidine didn't really work. It just made me want to vomit. Um, and that would be your blood sugar so low as well, wouldn't it? So low. Um, everything went tits up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, the, late, the contractions are still happening. And I, th- I think to myself, I have got to make something happen here. Um, and so I, um, I, I start kneeling leaning over the bed rather than sitting Lying down <clears throat> it's just the so you, you you give up and then suddenly you get another win to kind of go with yeah it. so I'm, well surely the drip as well you yeah you've got some nutrients yeah, some energy yeah. exactly exactly and also my mum had a, you know those um they're awful horrific capricole not capricole caracole something like that oh, the like orange capri sun capri sun that's yeah, it yeah yeah um, orange squash in a like foil yes. sachet. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> she says, Look, have some of this because it's a bit of sugar. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, okay. And, and I was I, I thought, I don't really want that. And then I thought, actually, no, give it to me. Um, and I wish I'd had 10 of those, Kiris. Really? I remember yeah. you saying you wish you'd taken like Luke's Luke Aid, Aid or a um, can of Coke or something. M&Ms, yeah. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> what I Sounds amazing. You're selling it now. <laughs> exactly. So I'm kneeling and we're now Thursday afternoon and I'm still only two centimeters dilated. I go further into labour my contractions are every minute finally on Thursday night this is after hours of kneeling and breathing in gas and air no more drugs I get to to a point and I say I need an epidural again and I'm on the verge of signing something and fortunately Dan says to me Emma are you sure you want an epidural are you sure because you always said to me to question you if you wanted it oh really yeah and I'm so pleased he did because I then looked at the midwives and I said I don't, I, do you think I can do this? And they were lovely midwives. And they said, we think you're so strong and you can, you're really doing well. Aww. And so that in itself is all I needed to hear. And they lifted And it. at that <clears> point <throat> I said, nap, done with it. And so I went into that next kind of win of trying to get little Frankie out. And um, I was then fully dilated on Thursday night, or no, for early Friday morning. And um, I then just can't get him out. And the problem is, is that they've rehydrated me and I haven't been urinating. So my, now my bladder is so full that the head of the baby and the bladder is competing. Oh, so wow. Frankie's head then gets stuck and I can't push him out. So I'm having the bearing down contraction is in to push to get him out. Yeah. And I can't get him out. So How did you realise that? Or did a nurse spot that? Um, it was actually, funnily enough, it was Dan. Dan said, do you think 
she needs a catheter. And the problem is, is that they How don't... How on earth did he know that? Because he'd, <laughs> he'd had, um, he'd heard, he'd listened to an earlier experience with another friend. Oh, really? And they'd said that they'd had a catheter. And he'd oh, okay. noticed that he, they kept taking me off the monitoring machine and then trying to make me sit on the toilet to urinate, of which I, you just, I just couldn't, right. couldn't urinate. Got you. Um, and so, but they, they don't listen to the husband or the man. They, they, they just ignore them. Yeah. And, um, and I wish they had, or wish he'd been a bit more, she needs a catheter. Yeah. Um, and then, it, it, you know, we're on probably about seven o'clock in the morning. On, on uh, No, no, it must have been about eight o'clock in the morning on Friday morning. And I'm completely um, overwhelmed by about eight consultants in the room, all female, all complete witches. Oh, no. <laughs> and they are probing me, getting me to lie on my back. It's the most uncomfortable position ever on your back yeah. when you're at that stage of pregnancy. They're trying to monitor the baby. They're trying to monitor me. They then say that because I've been off the monitor that, that I'm you know, at, risk, at risk again, that word stage and um do i need assistance now this i'm thinking forceps and then they say um get her ready for theater and i'm saying why are you getting me ready for theater i'm not going i'm not leaving this room and then they said yes but you're you're not delivering your baby and and, um they said and i said well why is that and they said but it might be because your bladder's full and then i said well put a catheter in me and so then they put a catheter in the amount of urine that came out could have filled a whole elephant <laughs> and then um and then they the midwife then comes over because they push the midwives out right they don't even look That's so or, sad isn't oh, it's, it? it's awful it's awful it's almost like they're the kind of medical establishment of the the labor part which they are yeah but it's almost like the midwives you know they're they're just, just the frills and fancy they're who not are hugely experienced hugely, hugely yeah. experienced yeah, and um they push them aside and the midwife comes over to me and she says this oh really and um and so um she says she's again the, this this head um obstetrician says put her on ranitidine um put another drip in her hand take her down to theater and i said i'm not going to theater and she said, okay, um, I'm going to give you half an hour and then I'm going to come back. And if this baby isn't out in half an hour, I'm taking you down to theatre. And so she leaves. And at this point, Keris, I am pushing and I don't even have a contraction. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally, you're at your, your last, there is nothing left in you. Yeah. And you are at your last breath almost. And you are just giving everything that you can. And um, finally, uh, he comes out. Amazing. <laughs> and that's it. He's a meconium baby, so covered in poo. <laughs> His own poo, not mine. Um, of which he's taken away. Unfortunately, they, without even asking me, and this is the whole hospital procedure that I wanted to avoid, he, they give me an episiotomy, so that's a cut to allow the head to come out easier. I'm actually on reflection pleased that they did that because it meant that my wound was very neat and healed very quickly. Yeah. Um, but um, they gave me a pisimotomy at the same time they gave me an injection to get my placenta out, of which I didn't want. I wanted it to come out naturally, but I didn't have a choice in that. And then straight away they've cut the umbilical cord. So without even um, asking me, so I'm on my plan, which obviously has gone out the window. Um, <laughs> I didn't want the placenta injection and I didn't want the umbilical cord cut. I wanted it to be pulsing for at least 20 minutes, but that was done and dusted. And I said to Dan, Dan, I didn't want it cut. He said, Emma, we've got a baby, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, they quickly rubbed the meconium off of Frankie and then he was straight on me. Um, 
and that was it. That was my birth story. Which Amazing. Is, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> there is a downside to too much DHA. <laughs> so what would you do differently? So I would down, eat. You would eat? I would eat. I would drink something with a bit of glucose in it. Yeah. So that the actual water is, is uptaken into, into the, the cells. Because the uterus is a muscle and it needs energy and, yeah. and it is exercising. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's never been exercised in this way before in your life. So you said so, something with like uh, like a sports drink, basically, with ele- electrolytes. Yeah, yeah. Glucose. What I should have done, I had bottles of coconut water. Yeah. I should have been drinking coconut water and maybe even put like a carb, high carb protein powder in there or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should have been eating the frozen grapes that Dan was giving me, but you just get caught up in the moment. And oh, I imagine. I wasn't interested in eating. I, want, I wanted to get, I wanted to focus on my labour. Yeah. Um, so it was all, on reflection, I would, I would change that. Um, I wouldn't bother with a birth pool. Would you not? <laughs> no. It does sound faffy to me when you were talking about it. I was Such thinking, because it's so unpredictable labour, yeah. I do kind of think, like, as lovely as it sounds, and I watch What's It One Born Every Minute a few mm. times, and I've seen it in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I thought at home, it must be just, just difficult to make sure it's the right temperature yeah, and it's yeah. the right time. And, and I just think if you're distracted with other things, like would it yeah. just become an added kind of pressure? Yeah. You know, so. yeah, definitely. And poor old Dan. So I give birth in hospital and I have to stay in there three days. Or was it two days? No, I think it was three days because it was two nights. And um, poor old Dan has to then go home and siphon the water out of the litter box. <laughs> so he's like this is the last thing I need to do and she didn't even put her little toe in it (laughs) besides the gas bill is phenomenal because the amount of water it takes to fill it up (laughs) but um but yeah so I wouldn't have a water birth and actually I've been reading a few and it's nothing scientific but it's opinions about um potentially um decreasing um the amount of microbiome that's on the baby if you have a water birth Oh really? Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the bacteria, sorry, not microbiome. So, so the the whole labour is a mess, and it's a mess. The blood, the poo, and I'm talking about maternal, so my poo and Frankie's poo, mm. um, because he was a late baby. They have they poo. Um, the blood, the poo, um, him going through my vaginal canal is all contributing towards his microbiome. Yeah, um, and I now think that. If you have uh, a water birth... It's all washed off. It's a little bit washed off. Yeah. And I'd heard that opinion before I'd thought about having a water birth. Where does it come from, water birth? Is it a natural... I'm not sure about the the, the roots of it, actually. I suppose people... It, it <laughs> the, really... the makers of the birthing pools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it stems from... It's supposed to be equivalent to um, pethidine, which is what I ended up having <clears throat> yeah. as a pain relief. I had pethidine because I wanted to sleep. I wasn't actually in pain. The pain, oh my goodness, did not was not the contractions. The pain was the end. At the point where you think your vagina is on fire. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pain I will never ever forget. <laughs> and I'm going to be very graphic and say it feels like your clitoris is a light. <laughs> not in a nice way. But you'll do it again. You've said this. So yeah, it's not put you up. You'll go for it all again. No, because it's momentary and what you get the end is is it's amazing um, is amazing yeah. and breastfeeding so that's oh, <laughs> obviously so, if you so, couldn't breastfeed <laughs> so that would have been you if you want to breastfeed it's not that fantasy of oh 
oh, the baby comes out and you attach it to the boo, but it suckles away <laughs> and it's blissful and joyful. No. Frankie came out tongue-tied, although it, it wasn't detected. I had to hire a lactation consultant to um, detect it. And he was, it wasn't an anterior um, tongue tie, it was a posterior one. So they missed it in the um, examination. In the <clears throat> so I actually said to them straight away after he was born, can you just check in for tongue tie? And she said, no, he's fine. I didn't latch him on straight away because I was too obvious. In my books, they don't, they, they've just come out well fed. They don't need to be fed yeah. straight away. They've come out with a bit of a lunchbox. You know? Yeah. And... Um, it was actually, I'd been with him an hour and the midwife said to me, um, okay, so we're going to go and get him some formula. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, we're going to get him some formula because he hasn't latched on. And I said, but I haven't been trying to latch him on. Yeah, yeah. And then she said, okay, she said, well, what we'll do is you can go back to the ward and um, the breastfeeding consultant will come and see you. Um, but we'll, uh, I said, I'm not giving him formula. And then she said, well, because he's a meconium baby, i.e. covered in poo, he's technically an amber baby. So what we'll do is um, we'll get, uh, I'll get some um, other mother's breast milk ready for you so you can feed him breast milk. And I said, okay, fine. If I have to feed him anything, I'll do that. And so she... she so why, some... why are they not trying to encourage you to do the breastfeeding at this point? Um, I think they, again, it's another tick the box. The baby needs to be fed. Right. So okay. they're thinking that we need to get the breastfeeding going because that's that's the most important source of, of fuel for that baby to survive yeah. in the initial stages. And surely the baby needs your colostrum and your... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, although it is better than formula, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, um, fortunately for me... Now, I'm, I'm putting this down to my diet and the fact that I supplemented with collagen, but my um, um, colostrum came in, it was so easy to squeeze out. <laughs> Were you like bottling it up? And like... Literally, one of the breastfeeding consultants, one of the breastfeeding consultants, because what I was doing, I was then, I couldn't get Frankie to latch on and we couldn't figure out why. One of the um, midwives said it was because I had pethidine, but I had pethidine on Thursday morning and he was delivered on Friday morning. So it's unlikely that there was a connection there because he wouldn't have been drowsy from the pethidine. Right, I see. Um, That's scary though, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah. And it now makes me think, gosh, why did I have pethidine? No, you At that point, yeah. it was because I wanted to frigging sleep. Yeah. Um, which I didn't get anyway, so it was pointless. Yeah. Um, but then, um, so she said that, and then, um, so what I was having to do was squeeze my nipples to um, pipette the colostrum up into the into the pipette and then feed it into Frankie's mouth. Oh, amazing. Um, mm. And that wasn't a problem. I could do that. No yeah. Problem. I just couldn't get him to match for love and money. And then... Um, uh, oh, and then they... So we, we were doing that for two nights, and then... On the last night, uh, a new um, breastfeeding consultant said, um, why don't you try a nipple shield? So I tried a nipple shield, of which Frankie latched on. Because so it was a bigger... It was a bigger... There was something more to grip, Yeah, basically. It was, and it's it's enormous, the actual teat. So it so, really is obvious for him to... to that there's something there that he can suck onto. So it could have just been that your nipples aren't big enough. <laughs> no, well, I mean, that's, that, that is a, a theory. Um, I don't think so. It's because he's tongue-tied. <laughs> so then we, I still don't know he's tongue-tied at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we go home. These are from the hospital, the lactation consultants. Then. Yeah, that's yeah, good. they're very good. And they yeah. won't let you leave hospital until you've breastfed. Until you're, he, you're firmly established with breastfeeding. They are very pro-breastfeeding, oh, which awesome. is brilliant 
Um, although lots of people, they, they what they do is it's hard. It is incredibly hard breastfeeding. It's not easy, and you have to be very determined and committed to do it. I've heard several people say that now. The first two weeks are horrific. They are horrific, and you don't understand. You've never done it before, and each baby's different anyway. And you don't know what their problems are. Um, are they feeding enough? And I demand fed breastfed so it just meant I didn't follow anything I just put a boob in his mouth and if he fed he fed and at at one point I was sat for three hours solidly feeding so yeah so it it is you know it's really there's no um rules or anything to follow you just feed them yeah um and and it is really hard it hurts initially but if you go through and get through those first two weeks and this is something really important to remember for new new mums if you get through those first two weeks you've done it if you give up before those first two weeks it's likely that that um well that's it game over but So many women and, and literally all of my group of friends that had babies at the same time, I mean, there were a lot of us, coincidentally, um, they all gave up. The, one of them uh, who had uh, their son a week before me in hospital, she mistakenly had enough of the hospital and said, look, I've got enough midwives around me as friends at home, which she does, but actually they all live in Ireland, which she didn't tell them that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm happy to give him formula and then I'll transition to the boob. You can't do that. If you, the moment that you start giving them formula, A, it messes with your own milk supply. This is a communication system between you and your baby. Yeah. So if you start giving bottles of formula, you're not, your body will produce less milk. Right, okay. Because so, you're not doing enough Because feeds. you're not doing enough right. feeds. Um, and the same is if you start to overexpress, your body will produce too much milk because it thinks you're having twins. Right, okay. So, so you have to really, ideally, do the on-demand feeding. Um, to be successful with it and and it hurts it's uncomfortable is that just what you say for the first two weeks or well I've been doing it for the last 13 months (laughs) (laughs) so it's up to you on that that point it's a really difficult subject breastfeeding Mm -hmm. because as I said most of my friends didn't apart from two and they're naturopaths so obviously they persisted because they knew the The benefits benefits of it so they got through it and actually actually the first friend she was fine with it she didn't have a problem except tongue tie the first four days of which he had formula um for, for two days but then he was solidly went on to breast milk and um my other friend she she her son was tongue-tied um anterior so at the front and uh, she really really struggled really struggled and and we mean just give up and, and rightly so because it is really tough really mm. tough and it's understandable so if I'm talking to women who have decided to bottle feed um formula feed over breastfeed then I understand it's no criticism at all. Um, It's just a shame because if there were more guidance or support, um, then perhaps, I mean, I had, I then had two lactation consultants come out and help me with the position of the baby, why Frankie wasn't latching on. I then had a tongue tie snip done. So we snipped his tongue, which was absolute turmoil because um, he obviously for first six days had learnt how to suckle and then the tongue tie snip meant he had to relearn how to feed again um and uh, it was horrific because he was crying I was beside crying. myself <laughs> <laughs> um and I couldn't still couldn't get him to latch on so we actually used nipple shields right up until he was six months old and then at six months old suddenly he 
didn't need a nipple shield anymore. And now, 13 months later, we're still doing it every hour and a half at night. Still. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we should have a little chat about weaning. Um, but oh, I just yes. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of say that um, in the background, obviously, I know you're not working at the moment, but you're still kind of, you're keeping up to date on oh, all the yeah. nutrition stuff. And yeah, as much I, as I, can. I would say the more I'm kind of learning about, obviously, the big focus is the gut microbiome at the moment. Yeah. And all of nutrition is looking in mm. that direction. And some things that have been said, like, oh, the more diverse your gut bacteria, the better, is yeah. it now even been reversed. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're saying that's not the case. Yeah. But one thing that seems clear is so much of your microbiome is kind of decided by um, your mum yeah. and, and kind of the breastfeeding and your mum's deciding yeah. what is the most kind of beneficial yeah. profile. Mm. Um, and then obviously things like environment feed into that. So, yeah. But all of that can also be, you know, kind of addressed throughout early years so it's not kind of a foregone conclusion no no no. what would you advise a woman who can't breastfeed who can't breastfeed so like what her her best options well first of all you have to decide what to feed your baby and there are a number of ideas stemming from make your own formula at home to using a goat's milk organic formula one thing i will say is that breast milk cannot and will never be replicated because your breast milk is unique to you and unique to your baby. So I mentioned earlier about breast milk, breastfeeding being a communication um, between you and your baby and your baby will always only, your, your boobs will always produce the milk that your baby needs. Um, and as your baby is suckling, it's, 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 it's an unreal process, scientifically unexplainable. And it, what your baby, the benefits that your baby gets from that is is outrageous. <laughs> um, so you do need. So there is no re- direct replication. However, you can. Um, there is a book actually that Jocelyn. Do you remember when you interviewed Jocelyn? It's called Super Nutrition for Babies. Yeah. She uh, when she did your um, uh, your little our little academy. Yeah. Fit Food Academy too um she mentioned to me that book again and she said oh, i basically follow that to the latter and it is a very good book and there are some um homemade formula suggestions in there okay but is that they, like using cow's milk yeah, yeah 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 and um and adding in fermented cod liver oil and vitamin d and um so obviously the fat and the vitamin d and the vitamin a etc oh i emailed you about um paul jaminet didn't yeah. i so Did he paul, say that? paul jaminet said he so that's Paul Jamney of Perfect Health Diet. Yeah. Um, obviously, his wife wanted to go back to work at six months. I think this might have been. So they did a similar thing where they used milk and added, but his was, oh gosh, it was seaweed. Remember oh me saying a fish sauce? Oh, that's fine. And that's it. Yeah. And then you, yeah. was it? Uh, exactly. I, I, that Caroline? I it. It's you and Caroline, another friend, she said, I'll probably have that spat back in my face. Yeah. <laughs> so good good luck with trying to get that down. <laughs> but I said, if it's the first thing one of the first things that ever tasting yeah then yeah but fermented cod liver oil jesus that's yeah rank yeah. i don't even take that ever so sorry it was adding <laughs> vitamin d cod so liver vitamin oil. d cod liver oil um and i think it was vitamin a drops okay um so there there is that extreme there's another thing of you know buying making i mean number one would be make sure it's organic must make sure it's organic yeah and you must make sure that there is a fatty acid content in it so it's a grass-fed animal yeah mm-hmm. grass-fed and there's some fats in there because basically that's all your milk is largely predominantly fat 
uh, you'll obviously be missing out on the colostrum. So I would even think about should you buy a bovine colostrum yeah. um, and perhaps feed that to the baby. Yeah. Um, um, the other things that you can do is, it sounds a bit rank, and obviously it would be um, pa- past the time of you of you thinking at the, at the moment anyway, which is um, if you have a C-section, although you might think about doing this if you don't breastfeed, is just to sweep your vagina off the mucus after birth and then just sweep the baby's mouth. Um, and that can actually help them start a healthy microbiome. Amazing. Because that's yeah. kind of what the birthing process is doing. Exactly anyway. what the birthing process is doing. Yeah, so it sounds really rank, but it's actually quite <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell your yeah. son or daughter. As yeah, they oh, God. <laughs> can you imagine life? that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yes, yeah, so, um, so you'd want to go for organic. Um, you might want to look at homemade. Um, you would definitely start to bring in a probiotic for the newborn straight away and there are so many on the market you don't need to worry about it um so it's largely bifidobacterium strains um frankie takes it now he's taken it probably since he was about four months old and that's just because i value bacteria so much well i was going to ask you there's a few times when he got ill and yes what was your kind of yeah okay so obviously coming from cow my pole. background <laughs> oh my god cow pole. matt did confess when you were talking about cow pole, didn't he it's like oh i was addicted to that stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's like totally slap my head I'm like yeah, why what? is he addicted to it because it has artificial sweeteners in it yeah yeah of course honestly, he's going to be addicted honestly his mum I mean she, like bless her but she was mm. kind of she is of that generation she worked yeah um, so she breastfed him I think for oh, I don't know it's either one or two months then yeah. went back to work yeah and it's very much like you have a fever get this down you yeah. get that down you yeah. like I, her medicine cupboard is just unreal yeah, whenever I've got anything <laughs> wrong with me she's like Oh, you know, it is like yeah, going into Boots yeah. Pharmacy, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I... it's, it's really interesting because I wasn't breastfed. My mum wasn't breastfed. And so I'm the third generation. Really? Frank, Frankie is coming from previous generations of no breastfeeding. Really? So I've broken that chain yeah. and have brought the breastfeeding back in again. But the fact that my mum wasn't breastfed and my gran wasn't is having an impact on him now. Yeah, because you said that the grandparents' yeah, generation is going to change yeah, everything yeah. genetically. Which is and... why I am so, everything that I do based around Frankie's health is obsessed by his microbiome. Yeah. Obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> so so he was, bless him, he, I honestly think it was related to him being a meconium baby, but he was, gosh, nine days old. And he, a lot of babies get baby acne, so it's mm. quite normal. He had a breakout of baby acne, but for some reason he had um, like a bacterial infection around his eye, which basically left his eyes, not his eyes, his eyelids, the surroundings, really inflamed, red, flaky, mm. and um, almost like slits so he couldn't see. Oh, no. And we rushed him to hospital. We took him to the doctors first of all, and they gave him an antifungal cream, of which made it worse. And obviously their eyes, there's a baby, we don't know what we're doing, yeah. and we don't want to damage his eyesight. So we rushed him to hospital, and and um, they immediately um, admitted him and they wanted to give him IV antibiotics. Now, you can imagine how I feel at this <laughs> all, point. All that hard work. I have just been through three active, intense days of labour that I still haven't got over. I am struggling still with breastfeeding. We're only at nine days at this point. And then she tells me that she wants to give him a, an, an IV antibiotic. And I despair. <laughs> and she said yes but we're worried about him and we need to give it to him and I said okay how about this how about you give me an 
oral antibiotic, we take it, and then um, if it doesn't go, we'll come back and then we can do the IV. Apart from anything else, I don't want anyone... You can imagine you would have to strap a baby down to get the injection inside their arm anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that happening to my baby who's only nine days old. That's yeah. horrific. Um, and so apart, apart from the fact that I didn't want him to have a, a complete antibiotic, in that sense, I wanted it to be topical ideally, but she wouldn't give me one. Um, it, was th- th- it was that... Um, trauma that he would have had to have gone through so um so we ended up with an oral antibiotic of which every time I was feeding it to him for five days I felt like I was (laughs) slowly poisoning him (laughs) so what I was doing was then um we had a a pipette again and I was then pipetting probiotic back in straight away yeah um and then I did that for a continuing two weeks after it but every now and again I do think gosh I went through all of that trouble with vaginal birth and breastfeeding and then I went and gave him an antibiotic when he's nine days old but sometimes you have to do those things I was going to say you've got to always kind of anyone listening to this like remind them of kind of you know is that risk and you yes yes. and and do I regret doing it absolutely not because his eyes cleared up and and we're fine and we're good and his bacteria I'm sure is good we have just sent a sample of his poo off to the British gut foundation project (laughs) so we'll find out (laughs) um but yes what else would i recommend um probiotics really and obviously environmental um uh interference with microbiome so not using um detergents and and laundry softeners on the baby's clothes uh not washing them they don't need to be washed um i didn't give frankie a bath until he was six weeks old um he doesn't need it they're not dirty um he wasn't um a, a vomi baby he didn't um he wasn't a sicky baby he didn't he wasn't sick a lot of um bottle fed babies are largely i think it's because they're struggling with the proteins in the milk and it just makes them a bit colicky yeah um we didn't struggle with um burping or anything like that so there are so many benefits to breastfeeding and you said the convenience of it and that's really important because if I'm out and about, a lot of my friends that bottle fed, um, they would have to bring these Tommy Tippy machines with them that they need two <laughs> litres of water for. They need an electric socket to plug in. They need what? to bring the formula, which is, you know, comes in kilogram bottles, bags. bags. So, yeah. It was, you know, <laughs> and there's me just whip a boob out. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. what you want. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and if you can get through those two weeks, that's what you do. It's, and, it's, and it is easy. It becomes easy. But you just need to have that belief that it will be that way. And then you're, you're on a winning streak. And also, I suppose yeah. a lot of women might not know that you can have consultants. And yes. I had a couple of friends who... Yeah. who we were lucky enough to know that yeah. and got someone in and got help and get a lactation consultant yeah. and that's yeah. on nhs you can have that is nhs that? we paid for a private one because just we just wanted it directly there straight away yeah um there was no hanging about with me the sooner that i could get this breastfeeding done on the way because you you've also i haven't even mentioned this you've got the pressure of the after midwifery care so the postnatal care which is where they come around hounding you about the weight loss drop of the baby oh yes so so then you so then there's this pressure feed them up feed them up feed them up because you don't want them to lose they lose weight naturally yeah but you don't want them to lose too much weight because if it, if it goes out of their percentile range because yeah. then you're screwed because then they start saying top up with formula yeah. and then if you start topping up with formulas we've discussed you interfere with your communication of your breast milk then you probably breast potentially will dry out or whatever and baby gets used to the bottle or lots of different interferences can happen so um frankie we had that with frankie frankie lost weight then lost too much weight but he was sick um, he had this eye problem 
Um, so that's probably, and stress. So that's probably why he lost weight. And interestingly, my health advisor said something completely different to the midwives that were hounding me about the weight loss. And she said, he looks healthy and happy, so I wouldn't worry about it. And from her saying that to then, to in contrast to the midwives that were saying, well, we need to keep visiting you until he gains weight. I just thought, you know what? Just take a deep breath, ignore them. As long as you know innately that your baby's okay. Mm. And he's then, feeding at this point. And he was feeding, yeah. so. I wasn't concerned. I mean, he was feeding. <laughs> and, you know, he only needed to get to, I think it was about two months old. Yeah. He's been a chunky monkey since. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have no problem with feeding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've changed now that used to be the birth weight thing as well. Actual birth weight I'm talking about now, not kind yeah. of weight in uh, afterwards, but used to be low birth weight associated with yeah. high risk of chronic disease. Yeah, and that's yeah. all changed now, hasn't it? Because wow. women are overweight in pregnancy Absolutely. and babies are being born yeah. Yeah. overweight as well. So that's all been yeah. confused slightly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm sure they'll revise that yeah. kind of thinking soon. Yeah. And possibly post, if they start to notice, there's got to be some studies that say that the kind of bottle-fed babies gain weight quicker than, they do. than breastfed babies. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not, I can't even remember. I did this years ago. So, yeah, but... They do, definitely. Yeah. Um, one so of that's my... going to screw averages, surely. Yeah, of course it does. And as I said, statistics are rubbish. Yeah. But, I mean, another one of um, Dan and I's friends, um, she had a premature baby, and obviously they, they don't have the suckling reflex right until the last couple of weeks. Right. So <clears throat> she had an, an, a you know, beautiful amount of breast milk coming out and and she was expressing initially but they were putting pressure on her because he was a prem baby and um she was then shoving and i mean literally this was her fourth baby so she wasn't gentle about it (laughs) she was shoving a formula you know literally into this baby's mouth to try and get the birth weight up and i just think that's horrendous yeah yeah like the pressure on a mother apart from anything else you don't if it's a first baby you're beside yourself with emotion, with what the hell do I do with this thing? Is this normal? Nothing's normal because every baby is unique to you and your experience. Um, so you just have to ride it out and trust trust your instinct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the best bit of advice you can probably get from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure just people hearing your experience, you, you have that confidence because you have that kind of background knowledge. Yeah. But it's not to say that you throughout the whole pregnancy were reading up at different yeah. things, weren't you? Yeah, and obviously yeah, yeah. you couldn't have control over all of it, but what you could, you kind of did the yeah. best. Yeah, you know, definitely. Made definitely. the best decision. I mean, I would have, had I not been so, uh, as you say, I, well-read on it, um, I would have ended up with a C-section because those obstetricians at that point when they entered that room, you know, they 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 have a verbal contract with you and they're very tricky. They they um they say to you, um, do you agree to our help? That is a verbal contract. Um, and then they can proceed with whatever they want, basically. Right, um, so when they said, do you want help? And I said, yes, meaning forceps, they took that to then take me, be able to take me down to theatre. For a C-section. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which obviously I wasn't going to do. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so so if I hadn't been as stubborn, and at that point when they came in and they said, oh, we're going to take you down to theatre, I looked over to my mum and Dan, and they at this point, bearing in mind they've had no sleep for three nights, um, they were completely done in, screwed over. They'd been absolutely traumatized by what I've been through anyway yeah and um my mum had to leave the room in floods of tears because of the 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 mistreatment that the consultants were were doing Mm -hmm. and I looked to Dan and looked for them to support and they were both deflated and at that point it's almost like 
I thought, well, I'm the only one that's in control. And they wouldn't listen to them anyway. They always listen to the mother. Yeah. Um, and so I just said, look, leave me alone. And that's that's when they left me alone for half an hour. And I, I actually, I didn't mention before, but I pushed him out in 25 minutes. Oh, wow. So it was literally <laughs> really almost quick. half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, last point very quickly, because I know we're nearly at an hour. Um, what did you wean him on? Just name like the first kind of five foods. Oh, um, it was actually bone broth and egg yolk, but we weren't very successful with it. So we scrapped that. And actually, no, he started chewing, um, and I mean gumming, really, celery and carrot, first of all. He wasn't getting anything from it. He was just chewing, gnawing it. Um, then he had cucumber, of which he could gnaw cucumber pieces then I thought he's ready for food so tried him with a spoonful of bone broth of which he vommed later (laughs) and then tried him with an egg yolk of which he vommed so I thought no I'm not going there again because that's a sign to me his body's not ready for it so it was largely avocados um scrambled egg uh not often though because they say that the whites of the egg you shouldn't really introduce at a young age but they say you know who's they they're not they're not your child yeah um and basically anything that was on on our plates kind of what you guys are everything just what we he's never had you know he's 30 months old and he's never had a um a packaged baby food in his life you've been quite careful about sugar like sweet stuff oh, yeah. as well no, haven't you? nothing sweet the only sweet he has is our blueberries and papaya nothing sweet my mum made him his first birthday cake which was an eagle piggle cake oh. if you don't know what eagle pickle is and you need to get in touch with in the night garden right <laughs> which he loves and um it, it was a actually funnily enough she made it gluten-free and um she didn't make it sugar-free <laughs> <laughs> which is i'm actually more concerned about and she said he has to have a bit of birthday cake on his birthday you're so mean <laughs> and i said um no he's not he wasn't he'd eaten already and yeah. he wasn't going to it and she actually i let her put a piece to his mouth and he went <laughs> Really? And and so I was like, good on you. You're my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, when I when we've met up with you, it's been mm. amazing. He loves green smoothies. Oh, he loves he green likes, smoothies. Uh, he's always trying to get in your green tea. Yeah, he, yeah. He won't eat dark chocolate, but he feeds me dark chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, a better baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, at the moment, for breakfast, he'll have banana pancakes, which is egg, banana, coconut, um, cinnamon and blueberries. Oh. Um, he'll for lunch. He'll have liver pate. He has rice sourdough. I let him have that. He might have a soup. He has meat. He has um, uh, he has beans and lentils. He likes those pulses because he comes from a Sicilian. Well, Dan is half Sicilian, so his nonna is always making like peasant food, Sicilian peasant food, Lovely. which he loves and yeah. I love and Dan loves. So he'll happily eat that. Um, he doesn't like cheese. Uh, he's not that keen on tomatoes. So um, they're pretty much the only... He loves bananas. <laughs> he's kind of telling you now what he likes, what he doesn't yeah, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, he's only ever eaten off our plate and you don't need to do anything else. Awesome. Yeah, he doesn't snack, which is quite odd for a baby. Like he'll only have breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and you're breastfeeding now still at still, 13 months. Still at 13 months, yeah. Which is sad in a way because it's it's not recognised as normal. Yeah. So um, well, even though WHO is twelve, it is a year, it's isn't it? Months. Which is World Health Organization guidelines. Yeah, yeah. And and I I do love quoting that that to people. Yeah. Because um, you don't see many breastfed one year olds or over one year olds. How far do you want to? How far do you intend to go? Um, I, I wouldn't take it over two years, but um. Uh, I think for my own health, it might be an idea to start having a conversation with him when he can 
converse at about 18 months and saying to him, please, will you leave me alone at night? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not time to be... (laughs) I have never been so sleep deprived in my life. (laughs) Um, But until then, I have to keep, I have to keep going um, because I know it's the best thing for him and he's my priority. I'll just whittle away. (laughs) (laughs) And then you said you have about, what, six months to try and kind of build up your own nutrition status before trying again. To be honest, I'm trying to build up my nutrition status now, but there's not enough cordyceps that I can get in in one day. (laughs) 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 And it tastes rank. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I am am trying to replenish at the moment, but um, yeah, ideally I, I don't want to be breastfeeding still whilst I'm trying for another baby because it's not really ideal because he's nicking all of my nutrients. Yeah. So you kind of allow a little window for just topping yourself up, loads of sleep, and then start all over again. Loads of sleep, says the woman without children. She also doesn't realise that loads of sleep never happens again. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Just from speaking to you and other friends, I don't know how I would run a business and and do this. So I kind of think I'm waiting for that window of opportunity when the business is kind of running itself, and then I'll... I remember, just quickly before we go, speaking to a client... Um, I I did laugh at the time and she might have had her baby by now but she told me oh yeah that's fine I'm, I'm gonna I run my own business and um, as I'm breastfeeding I'll just be on my laptop I've heard loads of people say that yeah, yeah good or when the baby's that. asleep I'll just good sleep. luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well I've only just had he's been here for an hour and I was just trying to make you a tea and literally cupboards were being opened like I could hear him going oh, upstairs gosh. and I was like yeah. what yeah on reflection the time that I could have done things actually was when he was newborn not now (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah so um yeah that's an hour that was so nice to catch up I'm sure listeners have loved it and you are going to come back and do some more podcasts with us now and we're going to do one about we're going to do a case study together aren't we yeah that'll be fun um go over a case study and and kind of give some recommendations so any kind of last bits last words of wisdom you want to leave for for new mums or expecting mums yeah definitely whatever happens and whatever you do don't ever feel like you've done the wrong thing um if it happens that you can't have a vaginal birth and you end up with a c-section don't worry about it if it happens that you can't breastfeed don't stress about it the most important thing is that you're there for your baby um and if you're listening to this then you would know how to support yourself if you'd have to have a c-section and if you'd if you'd have to formally feed so you've already have the knowledge at your fingertips to use so if you're pregnant or thinking about having a baby um then make sure you have you know the steps to take um and then you can almost um overcome the fact that they're either c-section or, or not breastfed but whatever you do, never give yourself a hard time over it. Because you can't. It's not worth you, it. So much of it can be out of your control anyway. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. there's no point yeah. in stressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the last thing I'd say. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, well, I've got loads of information now. So. <laughs> Good. Have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, thank you so much, and we'll see you again on another podcast soon. Lovely. Thank you guys for. Sorry, just got you. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. We're now going to go off and have some potato with Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>